And after trying to kiss the student, he freaks out and assaults Paul while calling him homophobic slurs. So it was a hate let crime. Me, let me try that. Let me try that again. What? I know. That's why I said, <laughs> let me say that again. Homophobic. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Cinephilia, the podcast, episode number 41. I'm Michael Gaddy. I'm Trevor. I don't know why you laugh every time we start now. <laughs> or I have to make a comment. Because <laughs> I'm, used, I'm used to the... Hello and welcome. The, uh... Well, it's a new, uh, new style of podcast, new intro, slightly. So yeah. why not? It just goes. I feel it goes better with the the opening song. So I agree. Uh, you do you have anything about the last episode? Because I don't. <clears throat> Actually, let me ch- let me rephrase that. How have you been? <laughs> I'm. I've been good. How about you? Yeah. Mg. Just uh, work related uh, stress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Oscars were announced. Mm-hmm. The nominations. Yes, they were. And we won't go too far into it because I still want to do an episode with Oscar. Uh, I know you have a grievance with one of the categories. Yes. If you want to mention that, talk about that. Super quick. Yeah, uh, Blonde wasn't nominated for Best Cinematography. And that's a travesty because I think that's one of the... One of, if not the best movie that I saw. Mm Mm-hmm. I think also um, the Batman didn't get nominated either, right? I haven't seen a single movie in this category. It's one or two. This and international film. Mm, yeah, I haven't seen a single movie. So um, yeah, cinematography awards are kind of like. I mean, there are great movies in there, but I think that Blonde is significantly better. I don't know if it should win or whatever, but it should have at least been nominated. Also, Banshees didn't yeah. get nominated. Weird, and like you said, the Batman. Maybe because they use the, uh, the the new technology, whatever. I keep wanting to say the void, but it's not called the void. The value, something like that. Uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once got an eleven nominations, and so did and Banshees of Inishirin or Inishirin uh, got nine. So did uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, a movie I haven't seen. Yeah, I'm sad to say that I haven't seen that either. I've only seen half of the nominations for Best Picture, but we'll get into. All our Oscar thoughts next time Oscar's here, which will be in like six weeks or something like that. But that's not the movie we're talking about. We're talking about Brett Easton Ellis's The Rules of Attraction. Is it just another teen movie from the early 90s or something more? We'll find out. This movie came out in 2002. Uh, We already talked about 2002 in a previous episode. Coincidentally, it's a... the uh, Irreversible, hmm. 
which we're going to go see a Gaspar Noé Noir. I forget his name. Uh, movie. You said tonight. it right the first time. What are we? What are we seeing? We're seeing Enter the Void. I was like, over the edge. No, it's <laughs> Enter the Void. Enter the Void, and you've so, never seen it. Never seen it. Have nothing. Know nothing about it. So wow. Yeah, we shall see. Yes, we shall. <laughs> uh, when we have a, a movie from a year that we've already talked about, uh, I like to bring up. <laughs> I like to bring up companies. And other things that were introduced in that year. So 2002, Shout Factory was established. They're one of the boutique Blu-ray companies that I love so much. Infinity Ward, who makes uh, Modern Warfare games. Anytime Fitness and the uh, spinoff of Victoria's Secrets, Pink, was established. Hmm. The channel is G4, which eventually merged with Tech TV. And I don't think it exists anymore now. Neither, uh, neither one of those exists right yeah. Uh, Nicktoons and T- Teen Nick. Also, some of the products that uh, were introduced in 2002 were Pepsi Blue and Shazam, the uh, app that you use, or I guess at that time, the program you use to uh, figure out what song it's playing. Still works. Yeah. I use it from time to time. Yeah, it's the uh, default app on your iPhone. <laughs> Oh, is it? Yeah. When you ask, like, Siri? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. At least that's what comes up for me. So. We're talking about the rules of attraction. I keep wanting to call it the rules of engagement. <laughs> Different movie completely. Different entirely. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you for that segue. I'll take it from here. The rules of attraction was directed by Roger Avery, a uh, writing partner of Quentin Tarantino's for Pulp Fiction. The screen- a little bit of... Uh... Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, screenplay was written solely by Roger Avery, obviously based on a book by Brett Easton Ellis. The release date was October 11th, 2002. Um, do you want to take a guess what the budget was for this blockbuster? It doesn't look big. I know they shot in Redlands for the school, mm-hmm. which is funny because half the time there's snow mm-hmm. on the campus. Um, I'm going to say like, Four million. Wow, you hit it yeah. on the dot. Four million dollars. How about the gross? Did this movie make American Pie money? <sighs> I'm gonna say it's probably it probably didn't make American Pie money or American Psycho money. I don't know how successful American Psycho was. Probably not. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say seven million. It made twelve million. Okay, worldwide. So, and I think that was based on the strength of like the characters like or the actors that they had in the movie not mm-hmm. necessarily because of the movie itself because people watched the wb back then yes because that's most of the people in this movie were on the wb at one point yeah james vanderbeek who's in this movie was doing uh dawson's, dawson's creek. creek while shooting this movie so he was like pulling a michael j mm-hmm. fox and like flying back Jessica and forth. Biel was on seventh heaven oh yeah uh in summer whatever uh Hold was was in a season of Smallville, but I think that was after this. Okay. So, or maybe just after this. So. Yeah. Do you have a pitch for this movie? I didn't write one down, but uh, uh, I guess, no, that's more of my review of it, so I won't say anything. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So the movie starts with an out-of-focus shot of Lauren, who's played by Shannon Sussman, my longtime girl crush. Your longtime what crush? Girl crush. Oh, it sounded like it's a girled crush. It's like, what word is that? 
You forgot to mention the uh, the Space Jam like intro of the music. It sounded like it was like going to be Space Jam or something. But then it turned to Kata and Fugue. It's like chanting or something. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. weird. The music in this movie is great. Like the soundtrack and the score, mm-hmm. both of them. Um, I guess the music was done by two guys named Tom and Andy who have like a group. Yeah, it was weird. It was like trying to pronounce the name some name like with no Tom in it. yeah weird yeah. uh so tomfoolery or something like that sure <laughs> lauren is explaining over the narration that um life was always going to be this way uh we then see a party going on at one of the many houses as they call them um and it says end of the world party we're introduced to victor who Lauren was in love with, but Victor was dating Lauren's roommate, Lorna, who's played by Jessica Biel. Do you have anything to add about Jessica Biel? Yeah, Tom and Andy. What? That's just exact. That's the name. I felt yeah. like it was something a little more complicated. No, than it's that. Tom and Andy with no spaces. <laughs> you said like, so anyways, um, do I have anything to say about who? god we're off to a fucking great story well you also forgot to mention that this movie has a 6.6 on imdb you know what i sure did and i I, I don't know if you have rotten tomatoes written down but i I remember seeing it didn't look good (laughs) um okay so we'll just you can cut this in like that was the most fun we've had in the podcast so far is talking yeah uh, so the Rules of Attraction received mixed reviews upon release. Uh, right now it has a rotten approval rating of 44% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, with an average rating of 5.4 out of 10. The site's consensus reads, a tiresome movie about unsympathetic college kids engaging in self-destructive behaviors. On Metacritic, it has a score of 50 out of 100 based on reviews from 30 critics indicating mixed or average reviews and a 6.6 on IMDb. Let's get into it. So when has that ever stopped us? You're very unprofessional, Michael Gaddy. We open on an out-of-focus shot of Lauren, uh, played by Shannon Sossman, my longtime girl crush, (laughs) explaining over narration that uh, life was always going to be this way for her. Then we see uh, a party going on at one of the houses of the college. This takes place at a, a fictional college um i forgot where it's supposed to take place somewhere it snows yeah no i think it's um fuck i can't remember it's a fictional place in um yeah it's set in camden college a fictional liberal arts college in northeastern new hampshire it's fictional right yes so what better place to represent New Hampshire than Redlands, California? Yes, perfect. <laughs> um, so we see the party and we're introduced uh, to Victor, who's played by Kip Perdue. Yep, from yep. Remember the Titans. From Remember and the Titans. Everybody thought he was going to be this big new heartthrob and then yep. not so much. Ryan Gosling took over instead. Yes, he did. Um, Victor was in love with Lauren. Lauren was in love with Victor. They had a previous relationship together. Uh, but Victor was dating Lauren's roommate, Lorna, played by Jessica Biel. I have Laura written down for Jessica Biel, but I'm probably wrong. Laura? No, it's, I'm pretty sure it's... If only we had the technology to look it <laughs> to up. To look it up. 
Lorna. No, L-A-R-A. Laura? Yeah. I thought it was... I, I spelled it wrong, too, but yeah, L-A-R-A, according to IMDb. Okay, there's Laura, Laura and Lauren. Lauren. And gonna mixed get, them up together. It's and... going to get confusing. Mm-hmm. So Victor was dating Lauren's roommate, Laura, who gave him mono before they break up. Uh, they show... This is over Shannon Sossaman's um, voiceover talking about how uh, Laura is kind of a slut. Well, not kind of a slut. She's Very a slut. Much. Uh, she got drunk and walked down, wandered down the halls of the college, and she ended up doing the entire football team. They ran a train on her, and one of the guys looked like he was 40. I put that in my notes. Every <laughs> single one of them looks like they're 40. <laughs> they were just like, here, wear this, uh, this very, like, plain jersey of a it's football like red team. with you know, just the letter the ner- their number yeah. no school name no nothing on it um and then you have to have the football in your hand too yeah of course because <laughs> you know you're to demonstrate that you're in the football team because if you play football you always have a football they, attached to your arm they haven't played football in like you know a couple days but they're still wearing their jerseys and, you know. yeah and they're just sitting there <laughs> Um, so at this point, there's a lot of, um, you can tell the pace of the movie is going to be very fast. It's upbeat. The editing is very frenetic. Uh, the pacing is boom, 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 boom. So it really pulls you in from the very beginning. Um, I think from the first opening three minutes, you can kind of tell where this movie is going to go. And you can pretty much immediately tell that this is not going to be uh, American Pie Part 2. <laughs> but more about that later. We see Lauren uh, talking with a film major student who's telling her that she looks like Clara Bow, uh, a famous uh, silent era movie star. Lauren is pretending to be interested to bed this guy. They end up going to a random student's room, and Lauren, for some unexplained reason, just passes out. Mm -hmm. He also mentions Tarantino. He does, yeah. But it's like an offhanded, like comment but uh she awakens to be ostensibly uh raped and abused and having her virginity taken by who she thought was the nyu film student but turns out that the film student is just filming while some townie ostensibly rapes lauren and then throws up on her and that's where she repeats it i always knew it was going to be like this so again this is four minutes into the movie kind of giving you a taste of what's to come and it's hard to watch Mm -hmm. just like all of our movies yes (laughs) Go sneeze again, damn Except it. for Home Alone. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about the first incredible um, four minutes of this film? Pretty much said everything that I have notes for. Uh, it kind of feels like uh, what Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was with the, the editing style, the mm-hmm. fast pace. And introducing characters. Intro- yeah, introducing characters, saying weird, random shit. So. Which I liked in that movie. Okay, well, this is going to be good. I can already (laughs) tell where this is going. Um, So while the guy is having sex with Lauren, the door busts open, and there are two guys that have a keg, and they're like, well, we need to store the keg somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the entire thing is played backwards. So you get the throwing up, the having sex, the filming, the guys coming in with the keg, and then really, really cool shot, and this happened several times in the movie, where um, everything is played in reverse. So they start they take the keg out of the room and then they go down the hallway with it down the stairs they put it into a big tub of ice and you can see the ice um going from completely melted to like perfectly to freezing to freezing uh we then are introduced to sean 
played by James Vanderbeek, looking very menacing, with um, a black eye, cut lip. He looks like he's been through some shit. He walks into the room and he's looking around and he sees Lauren walk away with the film major. He's she's like leading him by the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is in reverse. And then we meet Paul. Paul is played by Ian Summerholden. I think that's how it's pronounced. Holder. Holden. Holden. Ends with an R. Okay. Summer, Simon. Ian Simon Holden. He was in Lost. Yes. Uh, I mean, Vampire Diaries, I think more recently people have known from, but I never watched that show. Me neither. And of course, James Vanderbeek from Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. Everything else after that is basically him playing himself. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so Paul is hitting on a dude who may or may not be gay. Paul says that he definitely gets gay vibes from him. Um, but Paul seems to take it as a challenge, like, oh, he'll do. And he takes him to his room when he says that, oh, I have some ecstasy in my room. And the, um, the dude who may or may not be gay follows him with no problem. And there's a third person there. Yeah. Uh, Jay Burchell. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about ecstasy and he's like, you know, that shit makes your spinal fluid run backwards. <laughs> I don't know why he sounds like Elvis, but. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so after having them in the room, um, the guy is like, oh, I can feel it. And you can tell that Paul doesn't feel anything. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul sits down on the bed with the the unnamed student. After trying unsuccessfully to kiss the student, the student freaks out and assaults Paul while calling him homophobic slurs. Hate crime. Uh, and while Paul is, he, the student throws Paul against the wall and he like slumps down against the wall and he says everything is preordained and then it's a freeze frame with his name. His name is Paul. Uh, Paul later says over voiceover that six months later that that dude became a full-blown queen and said that Paul couldn't get it up. So... I guess his gaydar was right. Mm. With the name thing, kind of reminds me of the intro uh, for uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what they're going for. At least that style. Yeah. Where he was going for. And we then go in reverse again to see Sean ripping up some sort of note and throwing it away. But it's cool because it goes from in the trash into his hands and then it looks like he's like putting it together. Uh, Sean says that I'm an emotional vampire. He weighs his options and he ends up going to his dorm room with uh, a girl played by, I think it's Kate Bosworth, right? Mm-hmm. I, the worst Lois Lane ever. Uh, she was, wow, everything's tied Superman into returns. fucking Superman or Smallville. Um, so he's having sex with her and he's having trouble getting it up or staying hard and he has an epiphany and realizes that he can't remember the last time he had sex sober. And then we see the title. Welcome to the Rules of Attraction. I'll be your host. <laughs> there, the part where he's talking to uh, Kate Bosworth and he says that she has dick-sucking lips. Uh, he has this creepy-ass look on his mm-hmm. face. I'm like, is that what she sees? Or is that him in his brain going? Like, that's his mental state is him staring at her like... I think he's probably looking at her like that because there's several scenes in this movie where he has like looks like that. Yeah. And I guess we can just go ahead and spoil this now. Do you know who he's supposed to be? Yeah. His name's Sean Bateman. Yeah. So, yeah. He's supposed to be Patrick's brother. He is. Yeah. So the 
the creepiness runs in the family. Which I'll just, I just say my biggest flaw in the movie is the fact that it doesn't take place in the 80s, mm-hmm. which would have been really cool to have had him, you know, closer in age to Christian Bale in American Psycho in whatever year that's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be like 87, but they don't actually say which is when this book came out. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to take place in 1985. Like this book, yeah. it takes place during 1985. Okay. Um, so that would have been a lot cooler, but obviously they're trying to piggyback off the success of all the teen movies mm-hmm. in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yep. Was it successful? We'll find out. <laughs> obviously not if you look at the ratings and the the money wasn't as uh, much as uh, American Pie or other movies like that. Like She's All That came out in 99 as well. Yeah, but fucking compare she's all that to this movie it's yeah like you can take your grandma to see that well if you take if you watch the uh the trailer for this movie am i a bet am i a fucking bet <laughs> if you watch the trailer for this movie it's obvious they're trying to capitalize on the success of that but then if you actually watch the movie they're two different things because the character of dick in the trailer is throughout the whole trailer mm-hmm. as if he's one of the prominent characters and they're like oh he's the stifler of this movie so also that's like I think they cut that trailer like later because mm-hmm. the original trailer, have you seen it? Mm-mm. It's almost completely lifted from the trailer for um, Clockwork Orange where basically it's like words on a white screen. There's It doesn't show any footage from mm-hmm. the movie and it's set to like classical music. It's stolen directly from um, uh, Clockwork Orange. Mm, very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, there you go. Right, there you go. Uh, so then we see shots establishing the characters. Uh, they're all doing different things. Uh, Sean is passed out in the grass for no apparent reason with a six-pack of beer near him. Mm-hmm. And the sprinklers go on, and he gets wet. And by the way, this is all set to the wonderful song Six Different Ways by The Cure. Mm-hmm. Love that song. Uh, Sean gets food from the cafeteria, and he throws it away. He looks down at it, and it looks it looks disgusting. Yeah. So he slides it down the thing and goes right into the trash can. And there's a shot of a pretty-looking girl serving mm. the food who might come into play later in the movie. She might. She might. Uh, Lauren goes to class, but to find out it's canceled. Uh, on the On the whiteboard, it says, my wife is divorcing me. Class is canceled. My wife has left me for my TA. Okay. My wife left me for my TA, Gaddy says. Which is the same thing, but better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, Paul does yoga shirtless, of course. Uh, Sean gets a love letter in his mailbox, and this is the first of several that he gets. It's covered in, looks like, three pounds of glitter. And he opens it up, and it's a love letter. Um, maybe Gaddy can put in the clip of him doing the voiceover, reading Mm -hmm. the letter. Uh, But the last lines of it, if we won't burn together, then I'll burn alone. Like, I like that. Yes. Got you. You're mine now for the rest of the day, week, month, year, life. Have you guessed who I am? Sometimes I think you have. Sometimes when you're scanning a crowd, I feel those sultry dark eyes of yours stop on me. You're too afraid to come up to me and let me know how you feel? I want to moan and writhe with you, and I want to go up to you and kiss your mouth and pull you to me and say, love you, love you, love you, love you, while stripping. I want you so bad it stings. I want to kill the ugly girls you're always with. 
Do you really like those boring, naive, coy, calculating girls, or is it just for sex? The seeds of love have taken hold, and if we won't burn together, I'll burn alone. Why does he think that Lauren sent it? And like, maybe it's not with this note, but he eventually it's not, does. It's not with this note, yeah. I don't get why he does. Why he assumes. Well, we'll get to that, I guess. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Sean then goes to Rupert, the friendly neighborhood drug dealer. And this is a brilliant scene, I think. And then uh, Rupert is played by Clifton Collins Jr., who I think does an amazing job of playing an unhinged drug dealer. He's doing a really good Gary Oldman in True Romance impression. Without the uh, the weird accent, yeah, I think he's 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 the other guy has the weird accent. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds real. The other guy is guest. It's like his right hand man, I guess, and he's uh, Jamaican. He's John from Day of the Dead. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, a lot more realistic though, and he's reading a porn magazine, which is interesting because every other version I had seen of the movie, the what he was reading was Mm -hmm. censored. Was yours? (laughs) No, no. Okay, so when I was watching the movie, it wasn't censored. Like okay. the, the yeah. images on the porn magazine that he was reading were censored in, in this Come version. Come Shot Review. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's reading Come Shot Review and they mentioned something about a Bukaki in there. I didn't read that much. I was thinking, I was afterwards, I was like, oh, I should have read like all the little, because I watched a, a video and I couldn't rewind it very easily. So so if I missed something, I missed something. Wow, you watched it on VHS? Yes. That's very analog of you. I like that. Um... So Sean goes by to try to score some drugs, uh, and we find out that Sean is into Rupert for a lot of cash. Um, Rupert pulls a gun on him, and uh, there's a funny scene or a funny shot where he's like, Clifton delivers all his lines basically like six inches from the camera. He's looking directly no. into the lens while he's doing them, and he puts the gun up like right up to the camera's like lens. And I don't know. I think it's just brilliantly shot. He does a good job, and he tells him that he needs him because um, Sean's like, "You need me, man. I'm your key here." And then he's like, "Get this straight, motherfucker. I need you like I need a motherfucking asshole on my elbow." And then he points to his elbow and he says, "Right, right here." here. <laughs> In case you didn't know where his elbow <laughs> right. was. I'm your key to moving this shit on campus, man. You need me. And you know it. And I need the cash. We need each other. You get this straight, fuckhead. I need you like I need a motherfucking asshole on my elbow. Right here. An asshole. That's how much I need you. What you think, guest? I think you... Should sniff less cocaine and stop leave the gun them laying around the table, man. Leave the boy alone before him pissing panty. <laughs> you know I'm just fucking with you, baby, right? Right. <laughs> what kind of markup you think you can get? These rich ass freshmen. Well, that depends on how stepped on it is. Stepped on? Guess. Is our shit stepped on? Nah, man, it's fresher than the morning snow. With a bumble clot wrong with him. Sean spins a sob story about how he's broke and he might have to drop out of school. That his family had to... Um, he's from a farm in Nebraska, which mm-hmm. obviously isn't true. Yeah, because he says, I thought you went to New York. And he's like, that was just a... a, a lie so a people lie. wouldn't laugh at me. Uh, he said, my family had to sell the cow to get me to school. Yeah. New York, where Patrick Bateman is. Yep, exactly. 
um, which if you know who Patrick Bateman is, maybe you don't. He's the main character played by Christian Bale in American Psycho. Also written by Brett Easton Ellis, obviously. Which that book came out in like 93, apparently. Mm-hmm. So. It came out after this one. Um, Rupert asked Sean, what kind of markup do you think you can get from these rich kids? And he was like, I don't know, maybe like 20, 30%, depending on how stepped on it is. And Rupert's like, stepped on? Guest, is our stuff stepped on? And he's, <laughs> and then guest, the guy who's Jamaican, is like, no, it's fresher than the morning snow. <laughs> What the bumbleclot wrong with him? <laughs> Put the clip in. The clip from uh, um, Half Baked? Yeah. <laughs> Again. Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, that's what it is. I can't remember his name. Well, you know, I'd be from Jamaica, man. Not a mercy. So he says 20 to 30% markup, and then uh, Rupert says 50%. Hot damn. That's some good motherfucking math, motherfucker. Um. So after this scene, he goes um, to collect $500 from a junkie played by Fred Savage. So he's one of the many people accused of being a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Recently, right? That's like fairly recently. Recent. But apparently the costume designer for Wonder Years said he and the guy who played the older brother, the guy, uh, the kid from Back to the Future, what's a rerun? Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently they treated her like shit. On the Wonder Years, when he was like 16. That sucks. Yep. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. Um. So anyways, uh, this is kind of a funny scene uh, where Sean's trying to collect from... His name is Mark. And Mark is ranting on about time and just making absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. And he shoots up in between the, the webbing and his toes. Mm-hmm. So the track marks don't show. The girl with... Uh... Clifton, uh, she was watching, I think, the exact same movie that Fred Savage was watching. Cabinet both, of Caligari? Yeah, both on mute. So. Yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> uh, so he starts nodding off after shooting up, and uh, Sean's, like, waking him up, and he's like, Mark, what about the cash? And he doesn't respond, and then he starts, like, nudging him, and he's like, Mark, what about the fucking cash? He's like, class? What what class? Who who teaches that? That made me laugh. He has a Nintendo sixty four in the background too. Did he? Yeah, I, I didn't even so. notice it. And he's like, um, just stop, you know, stop banging, stop throwing stuff at me. Um, and Sean leaves to go to the edge of the world party. But the first party was the. But before he leaves, he steals a book from Mark. <laughs> and uh, then we go to the edge of the world party with. Um, the great, a great song by The Rapture playing. Yeah, and the Rookie of the Year is there. Yes. The kid in King Arthur's Court is there. Which his name is? Has a, he has three names. I think Thomas is one of them. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember either. I thought you would know that for sure. Because you're usually like, this person is from this movie. He played Walt Disney in uh, Walt Before Mickey. What? He yeah. did? Thomas Ian Nicholas. Thomas Ian Nicholas, who you would remember from Rookie of the Year. He was also in American Pie. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's why they hired him. Yep, played Walt Disney in an independent movie called Walt Before Mickey. Never saw it. Valerie actually ended up seeing it. Came on 2015. Oh, I'll have to see the trailer for that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's It doesn't look good. That's why I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's no started by a mouse. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> not a quality production with high budget. 
Um, so at the edge of the world party, they have a um, a wicker man, a very large, yeah. like twenty foot wicker man that they light on fire while everyone's Cage. parting outside. Um, Paul approaches Mitch, and Mitch is played by Thomas Ian Nichols. Nicholas. Nicholas. Thomas Ian Nicholas. Uh, and Mitch is very aggravated and irritated by Paul. We don't really know why. There's some sort of unspoken animosity towards Paul. Uh, but Paul's kind of like playful with him and like touching him. And uh, what's his name? Mitch keeps like pushing him away. And he's like, I told you, stop. So maybe they had some sort of um, one night stand with each other. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Leave it to the imagination. It just reminded me of that how homophobic we all were 20 years ago as a society as a society yeah not specifically you and i no 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 uh because we didn't know each other 20 years ago but i don't know what you were like 20 years ago but uh the same i'm just a teenager um but just that idea of the fear of being called gay or thought of as gay in the 90s or early 2000s was such a huge thing that I don't think people nowadays would understand. Very true. Like calling someone gay is like the, when, you know, when you were young or whatever, mm-hmm. like very young, that was like the ultimate insult was like calling someone gay, which is the mm-hmm. stupidest fucking thing. But yeah. <clears throat> uh, Paul meets Sean uh, and they have like a weird conversation with each other where you can tell that Paul is into Sean and Sean couldn't give a shit less. Mm-hmm. And he says something that Paul mistakes for quesadilla. And <laughs> did you not see this? I oh. I remember the quesadilla thing. I thought he said quesadilla and he thought he said something No, else. he says, I wish I had a case of beer. Oh. And he goes, what? Quesadilla? Sombrero? And he's like, Sombrero's closed. Um, it's been closed for years. Yeah. My type of guy. Typical. I wish I had a case of beer. Quesadilla? What? The quesadilla, Mexican food, El Sombrero? Sombrero goes a long time ago. How about tomorrow night then? I'll buy. I don't know. You'll buy? Totally buy. Rock and roll. So, somehow he agrees to. He's like, I'll take you to get Mexican food to Sean. And Sean's like, whatever. Like, he doesn't care at all. And he's like, my treat. And he's like, your treat? You're paying? Okay, fine. Whatever. Rock and roll. One of his uh, famous quotes. Because he's Elvis. Oh, yeah, that's the other guy. That's the other guy. <laughs> um, after this scene, we get an amazing split screen sequence between Sean and Lauren, each going about their morning in their different ways. Lauren smokes because everybody in this movie smokes. Yes, she does. Um, so Sean wakes up late while Lauren's already up going to class. Her class is canceled because her professor is stoned out of his mind and sleeping inside the, the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean wakes up, scratches his balls a little bit. <laughs> takes a shit. <laughs> takes a shit. And then picks his nose, uh, and then ends up going to class. And again, if you if this is the only thing you see in this movie, just watch this clip because this clip is so fucking good the way that it's done. So it's split mm-hmm. screen. So you see um, two completely different shots equally comprising, you know, sections of the screen. 
and they meet in the middle and the camera rotates around them into one uh one shot that they're both in yeah obviously two cameras had to be used i assume that because the shot when it's the two of them together that they had to digitally put them stitch it stitch it together yeah um so it's probably a motion control camera that moved out of the two extreme close-ups the two cameras into from the two extreme close-ups to the single shot which um when they when they're still in their respective squares they're talking directly into the camera and it's Mm -hmm. an extreme close-up and it just it looks so fucking cool and it's again one of the many unique shots like visually would have been even cooler if sean was in focus but well he's partially in focus (laughs) uh so sean is wearing cool ray-ban aviators and uh Mm -hmm. like a cool guy would do in the early 2000s and uh lauren steals his glasses i don't know if you noticed that she she's like let me see your eyes and she takes them off and then when she walks away she Mm -hmm. still has her sunglasses huh she still has his sunglasses why do you keep making the gender this thing (laughs) i don't know i don't pronouns are important i don't hear it man i didn't hear this time but yeah so this is how sean begins to believe that lauren's leaving notes in the thing um he goes back to the note from earlier and he sniffs it insinuating he thinks it's lauren who sent it which it isn't dun 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 paul starts getting ready for his big quesadilla date (laughs) and someone comes into his room saying that um a freshman is ODing. um and this is like a weird but still kind of funny scene of jay brichelle he's ODing on something so they're like freaking out um the guy who comes in saying that he's od'd is like offensively gay yes offensive offensively like feminine stereotype of like yeah. a gay person smacking his hands against the door all i think he did that on purpose but then he like stayed in character he's like oh shit <laughs> but yeah um but yeah when he's saying like what do you need a fucking written invitation mock schnell Just with the clippings so you can just yeah. put that over me doing that. Um, call security. Trust me. I'll be there within an hour. Security. Security? My God, will you need a formal fucking invitation? I'm already out of it at seven, Raymond. You were killing Harry. Pull it together. Much. No. What do you do? Try and OD on Sudafed and wine coolers? Um, so they drive to the doctor and Paul gets roped into doing it and they take him out of the car and put him in the floor of the emergency room and they're calling for help from a doctor and the nurse walks by and she's like, I'm on my break. <laughs> and the hospital looks completely deserted. And mm-hmm. then this like weird four foot 11, like doctor comes up and he starts asking him like, what happened? And like, Oh, he's overdosing. Like, I don't know. Do you know who that doctor is? No. It's Paul Williams. The writer of such great songs as The Love Boat Theme hmm. and Rainbow Connection. He played the Penguin in Batman the Animated Series. And uh, he was also in uh, the Random Access Memory album from Daft Punk. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he's he's a legendary singer-songwriter. Wow, I didn't know that. He's a very strange-looking yeah. man. Uh, so they're trying to explain the situation that he's overdosing and he pulls out his stethoscope. And Jay Burchell has his wa- eyes open and he's moving. And mm-hmm. he puts his stethoscope on him for like four seconds. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not getting a pulse. And his friends start freaking out. 
that he's dead and he's like i'm i'm sorry he he he's not gonna he didn't make it and jay brichelle like actually opens eyes is like am i really dead and it's just, like a, such a weird scene but I'm like sure it's, he didn't ask if he died on the toilet from too many banana and peanut butter sandwiches back to the elvis thing uh, okay it was a stretch yeah that was a stretch <laughs> um the the doctor says it's toe tag time again in teenville and like they all like look at each other like teenville what the fuck <laughs> um but he's like if you let me run some tests on your friend i i'm pretty sure i can prove that he's dead and then they end up picking him up and taking him and they're like you're gonna have a malpractice suit on your hands asshole and they leave uh paul williams also played himself in an episode of dexter's lab the cartoon mm-hmm. oh did he look the same yeah pretty much okay interesting <clears throat> you got anything so far you're just gonna let me fucking twist out here in the wind it's like when uh movies that uh like uhf and stuff <laughs> where i'm just talking the whole time and you're going on and going and going yeah. i don't really have much to add to really anything i mean obviously i said the paul williams thing yeah okay so. well thanks for thanks for that this is our Good second show. episode in a row where a protagonist is named paul thank you for that bit of knowledge i'm sorry i thought you wanted me to add stuff to it yeah sure <laughs> something okay something useful back at lauren's dorm uh we see her friday night routine where Escapades. she yeah where she basically <laughs> is looking at a, a book of sexually transmitted disease to try to abstain from having sex and um keep her virginity intact kind of reminds me of last week with the book of burn victims oh yeah i thought you meant your friday night <laughs> uh, little the slight uh, slight laugh uh, from trezor over there in the in the back the peanut gallery the peanut gallery uh yeah, leukemia leukemia jesus how old was she she's 51 jeez we then go to a pre-saturday night party party there's a there's a recurrent theme in case you couldn't tell here ladies and gentlemen of uh parties at this uh, liberal arts college during this party we get a really cool cameo appearance from Gaddy's friend. Did you see him? Eric Stoltz? No. Another one. We've talked about him before. Damn, probably. Um, I Real quick, I don't know if we've already come to the scene, but... Uh, oh, yeah, we did. Is the, the STD scene where uh, uh, Laura says, I don't care, I, don't, I didn't major in math. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So... I'm trying to make it so she's trying to say uh laura is trying to say that if a condom is 98 perfect uh effective and he wears two he's 110 percent effective and um lauren's like i don't think that's how that works she's like abstinence is 100 percent, and then she interrupts him she's like whatever i don't care i'm not a math major it's well, which is weird because she doesn't usually stand. yeah she doesn't usually play uh dumb characters mm-hmm I think this was probably the last time that she did. Yeah. Or slutty characters. Yeah, that too. I mean, I wouldn't say that she's slutty in other movies, but she definitely, after Seventh Heaven, wanted to get away from that image of the pastor's daughter, especially after what Stephen Collins Mm -hmm. did. But uh, yeah, we won't get into that. (laughs) No. So anyways, back to Gaddy's friend. (laughs) 
not Stephen Collins. No, it's not Stephen Collins. He is not the friend. Um, you didn't see him in the background. I might have. Who the was hardest that? working extra in show business. Oh, is it the uh, the really redhead guy? The fucking creepy guy? I don't know if, I, if it was this one or if it was a different movie recently. But I remember seeing him. I, I think it was a different movie where he was playing. Like somebody was watching a movie that took place in like the 50s. And he was there too. In the it, 50s? In the 50s. So it was like really weird. Not With the same fucking hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah, and he spikes the camera. He looks directly into mm. the lens. Yeah, I didn't see him. I must have looked down to write down a note or something. Well, he's like in the background and he's actually talking to Paul, like that overacting extra, like mm-hmm. talking thing. Um, and he like pushes, like he pushes him. It's like a really weird thing. And I noticed him. I was like, God, that guy is so fucking annoying. And then, like, he... <laughs> I need to make a TikTok with him or something. Yeah, you should. So I, people, I, people I, know. I do want to make a TikTok of uh, like one per but bad extras in movies. Oh yeah, there's you mentioned it. Fucking Fast overacting Pierce. extras. Oh, that yeah. guy. <laughs> Which I I saw. I think I saw the clip, and I was just like, I don't see it the way you see it. But <laughs> he's so annoying. Oh my god. Coming soon. Check out our TikTok. I put up a new one for the first time in a long time. It only has 250 views because I actually put some TLC into this one. So yeah, of course. The shittier you make it, the more popular they are. Yeah. Tressa's bored out of her fucking mind already. I showed up bored. Yep. Nice. Um, did we already talk about Eric Stoltz in the scene, or did we already get no, to that part? We okay. didn't. So go ahead. Well, I don't remember what happens in the scene. I didn't take detailed notes like I did with even uh, Benjamin Button because I was like, I just want I want to get be able to watch the movie close, somewhat close to the actual re- runtime of the movie instead of like spending seven hours watching a two hour movie. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Um, he's being a creeper. I remember that. Oh yeah, he's a, a huge fucking scumbag in this whole movie. He's a scumbag um, in pretty much everything he does. Remember in Butterfly Effect? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. That's a fucked up movie. Yeah. And he Anyways, he was uh, almost Marty McFly. Yes, he he was Marty McFly for a short period of time. Yeah, and he sucks. He's actually in the movie. He's the one who punches Biff. Oh in yeah, the, the diner. Yeah, yeah. There's your bit of trivia for this movie. Um. For a completely different movie. Yeah. Paul apologizes to Sean for not showing up uh, for the quesadilla date. And Sean has no idea what he's talking about. He's like, what? He's like, oh, I, like, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. This whole OD thing. And Sean's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And um, he's like, let me make it up to you. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, Sean asks where Lauren is. And she's not there. So Paul ends up leaving with Sean because uh, Paul's like, I've got some pot in my room. And Sean's like, you've got pot? So they leave together. Laura sees them leave together. Shortly after, Lauren comes to the party and she asks where Sean is. And Laura tells her, oh, she left with Paul. And she's like, you don't think... He left with Paul. What did I say? She... she- fucking hell <laughs> Why is that a thing i don't know dude. it's becoming worse than basically yeah <laughs> anyways paul leaves with sean to go to mm. sean's to go to paul's room because he mm. said that he has pot lauren shows up to the party and laura tells her that sean and paul left together and she says you don't think that they pause dot 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 she's like no no 
We then see, uh, as I call him, Professor Scumbag, because I don't actually know his name. It's played by Eric Stoltz. Mm -hmm. He hits on Lauren. And I'm not sure if this is the scene where he takes her to his office. I don't think so, because I feel like I would have put more detail in my notes for that one, because I'm pretty sure I wrote that down. I feel like it's later in the movie. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. (laughs) What do you have after this? Jerking off. I'm guessing that's inside uh, Paul's room. Yeah. Um, Sean has a realization while he's uh, rolling a joint, and so does Paul. Sean realizes that I like Lauren because she's pure. She's virginal. Um, so he builds her up in his head and kind of falls in love with her without even really like speaking to her more than that one time that we see. Mm-hmm. And Paul does too. He does the same thing for Sean. And he's like, I like Sean because he looks well slutty. Um, so there's another cool split screenshot where it's kind of like in uh, 500 days of summer, like uh, reality and then Expectation. expectations where um, Paul goes over and puts the moves on Sean and Sean doesn't rebuff him and they make out and mm-hmm. wrestle on the ground. Um, and on one then, side and the other side. And then the other side, he's masturbating into a pillow. It happens quickly too. I was like, yes. Yeah. He must've really been into it. <laughs> uh, after this scene, Sean receives another letter in his mailbox. Um, Getty can put in the clip of the narration because it does a better job than I do. Tonight's the night. 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 Because I have next that they're watching porn. Yes. Together, and I'm just looking at it going, the, like neither woman in there is like attractive. Attractive, and I'm just like, this is, you know, it's two guys watching it too, and I'm like, this is weird. But did you see what Paul's shirt said? Masturbation is not a crime. <laughs> right after masturbating. Yeah. And then he takes him to a bus station. So I. Don't, then after that, I have the card, so I don't know if... You have the card? Like, I put in my notes, how was the admirer able to put the card in his locked mailbox? Oh, yeah. Especially when it just says Sean on the front. It doesn't have anything else? I don't remember seeing an address, no. Well, maybe because she worked for the um, the kitchen staff. She has no. some keys to people's boxes. I don't <laughs> know, maybe she works multiple jobs at the at the university. Maybe she's, Yeah, maybe she's the mail lady, too. Yeah. So, uh, Sean gives Paul a ride into the city because he's going to meet his mother um, and his friend Richard Richard. and Richard's mother, which is another funny scene in this movie where uh, Richard comes into um, Paul's hotel room and he's very obviously drunk out of his mind. He's wearing aviator glasses. He's dressed pretty 80s, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and then the mothers come in and you can tell that they're, you know, rich, pill-popping, waspy moms. Um, and they're like, okay, get ready. Don't drink anymore. I don't want you getting drunk. And Richard's like, I am drunk. So they leave the room for um, Richard and uh, Sean to get ready. And Richard's like, do you want to take a shower together for old time's sake? Mm-hmm. And Paul has like a little coy smile on his face. And then we cut to the two mothers sitting at a bar, drinking, popping pills. And then we cut to the best scene in the entire movie. 
uh, Richard and Paul, Richard and Paul dancing to George Michael's faith in their underwear. That's why it's your favorite because when then I was like, uh, so I put, I feel like I put something specific about Richard in my notes, but it doesn't seem that I did. Weird. I think I was like, no, I had to have had something in here. Maybe you call him Dick. No, I didn't. It's weird that I don't have anything written down for him because I had an opinion of the way he looked. And then George Michael started playing. I was like, oh, no, he's dressed like George Michael. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, That's a funny scene. Mm. So they keep cutting back and forth between the mothers and then them like uh, doing basically karaoke to mm-hmm. George Michael's faith in their underwear. And then we cut to them. Eating. Oh, I put I put Maverick. He dressed. He's dressed like uh, Tom Cruise and Maverick. Yeah, or uh, Top Gun. He stole that from George Michael. Yeah, uh, which means that there's a couple things previous. One, somebody was. Uh, I think it was Lauren saying something about Shing being a thing. Mm-hmm. And Laura said, "No, it's not." <sighs> so tonight's the night. Yep, we're going all the way. Oh, who's a lucky boy? I'm not telling. You will if you want me out of the room tonight. Okay, okay, okay. Sean Bateman. He's a drug dealer. I don't know what to say. He made me jing. Jing. You know what I mean? Jing. Like, you just know that, that you're going to be with that person. It's something amazing is going to happen. You know what I mean? Jing. Like, it just it fucking fucks you right up to... It's like... Jing. No, I've never heard that. You will someday. Sean is masturbating to the letters. Sniffing them. Sniffing them and masturbating them like... Back in the day when we had to masturbate to our imagination. You're getting really personal here on the <laughs> podcast to our friends. <laughs> I I can dig the honesty. Yeah. As a- uh, also, there is a scene where he's looking at porn when he's uh, deciding what to do. Like earlier in the film, he's like weighing his options and he's like, I could masturbate to broadband porn. Yeah. And he has like a bunch of like little images on his computer yeah. like pulled up. I mean, that's that's the way it was 20 years ago for that. And then I'm saying in general, not me specifically, but he I'm saying in me. general, we had to as a as a species. As a species, yeah. <laughs> when, when, you know, we don't have money for, um, what was it, cum shot review? Cum shot review. Uh, that's good. Mm, thank you for being so so honest with our audience <clears throat> of one. Um, and he gets a call. Or Sean gets a call while he's doing that. And that's where he says, is this Patrick? Yeah. He's like, who's Patrick? And he like dwells on it for a while. Yeah. He's like, are you going to go to the party with Patrick? And Sean is like such a dick at this point. He's like, it's none of your fucking business. Yeah. And he's like, are you going to go to the party? And then he says, rock and roll. And he just hangs up the phone. <laughs> and then Paul is like, motherfucker. So back at dinner, um, Dick, as he likes to be called. Uh, causes a scene at the restaurant with the mothers. Um, they're trying to make small talk and trying to make it less awkward, but he's drunk out of his mind. Uh, and they're like, how do you like school? And he was like, it sucks. Cock. <laughs> and they're like, what classes are you taking? And he's like, mm, gangbang 101, freebase tutorial, and oral sex workshop. Uh, the mothers are played by Faye Dunway and Swoozy Kurtz. What a name. Swoozy, Swoozy. uh I remember her most from a show on NBC called Sisters, but she was also in Liar Liar. Hmm. Uh, and Faye Dunaway is probably most famous now for uh, reading the wrong movie for the Oscars. 
<laughs> she read uh, La La Land. Well, she was given, to be fair, she was given the wrong card. Card. Is that what actually happened? It's apparently it said in very very little letters. It said um, Emma Stone, and in very big letters it said La La Land, and then even smaller letter letters it said Best Supporting or Best Actress. Oh, so they gave her the wrong card yeah. for Best Actress. So they have double of each one just in case one evaporates or something straight through the walls. Bam. So Dick causes a scene and they force him to leave and he causes another scene that's like very reminiscent of Scarface when he says say goodnight to the bad guy and he's like drunk and he's like fuck you fuck you and fuck you pretty boy <laughs> and then he slaps someone on the back as he's walking out of the fancy restaurant I think uh, that's like the only scene that the guy is in but I think yeah. he, do- he does a really good job of playing like a drunk annoying asshole it's so random and doesn't really add anything other than just hey check out this weird ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we go to the dress to get screwed party with yet another appearance by Gaddy's best friend. He's, did you notice him that time? No. Oh my God. What the fuck are you looking at? I was watching he, the movie. He's behind. Um, Sorry, I wasn't looking at the uh, overweight guy. I was looking at all the women. And the naked women? Yeah. Bras. And... Well, that's ironic because he's getting felt up by the girls. And it mm. made me very uncomfortable watching him feel up the girls because he's <laughs> fucking gross. So sexual assault is okay if the guy is good looking is what you're saying. He's not assaulting them. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> it's it's reciprocal. They're rubbing each other. But watching him do it is disgusting. Yeah. Because he's disgusting. I don't know your name, but you're... You ruined this movie for me. I would love if he came on this podcast <laughs> just to talk about his favorite movies and his career. Um, but I don't know if you noticed during that scene, um, Sean is eating mushrooms. A lot of a mushrooms. A lot of them. He's like chowing them down like it's like popcorn. Yeah. Which apparently they taste like shit because they're grown on shit. Yes. So they're grown with shit. Never had mushrooms before. I know someone who has. I've watched somebody eat mushrooms in front of me. And yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't. The fact that he was eating like a whole baggie full of them yeah it was a big bag full of them i don't think i ever noticed that before i don't know why maybe because the blu-ray this is like the best quality that i had seen it in um and he's talking with lorna and then when they go to when they are laura because there's no lorna in this movie what the fuck ever laura (laughs) not lauren laura you could say the actors okay just like a fucking beetle okay (laughs) does that make you happy so when they do the, when they're showing uh, Jessica Beale talking, that's when you can see, because that guy, the extra is directly behind her, and there's a girl in front of him and a girl behind him, and they're mm. fondling each other, and getting his shirt off. But he has like a, like a, like a mask up mm-hmm. to his face. Um, so he's trying to keep the mask onto his face while they're pulling off his shirt. It's like really awkward. I couldn't stop looking at it. It reminds me of two different Batman scenes, which were pretty much the same exact scene. The one in uh, Batman Returns and uh, the one in Batman, The Dark Knight Rises where Bruce Wayne shows up to a party with no mask and everybody else is wearing a mask. So, because yeah. Sean's not wearing a mask. He isn't because he doesn't give a shit and he's probably tripping pretty hard on all the shrooms he's taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Laura, Jessica Biel, manipulates Sean um, telling him that, you know, Lauren's never going to put out. Um, so, she ends up gaslighting her no sorry she ends up gaslighting him and convincing him to have sex with laura 
And while he's having sex with Laura, he realizes that this was all a big mistake and he made the wrong decision and he says he should have never have done it. Uh, Laura cries after finishing and tells Sean that she was born in a Holiday Inn. And it's not funny, but Sean, like, rolls off the bed and he's, like, cleaning himself up and she starts yeah. crying and he, like, looks at her and he's like, are you crying? What's wrong? I told you I came. Like, oh, okay, that'll solve everything. <laughs> fucking guy uh, yeah he might be still a little high maybe so um we then see another shot of another letter in sean's box and it's last call i've written you this last letter because i know i'll never have you i stood in a corner and watched you go off with her she's so beneath you you probably did it just to hurt me well it worked you hurt me and now there's nothing else i can do there won't be any more notes it's last call and we get a heartbreakingly realistic but incredibly beautifully shot depiction of suicide from the girl who actually been putting the notes into Sean's box, set to the tune of Can't Live. You mean Ken Lee? I, <laughs> I was just about to say that. Ken Lee? Um, maybe you can put that clip in if you're what? not familiar with what we're talking about. It works better if you're actually watching it because of the subtitles. It's a woman, I don't know what language, what country. Some American Idol. Yeah, it's American Idol spinoff i guess um in a different country and they're asking her what song she's going to sing and she says ken lee and everybody's looking at her like what ken lee by mariah carey and, she, and they're like wait do you mean can't live or whatever the name of the song is um what is the name of the actual name of the song i think it's can't live uh, in parentheses if i think it is without you i think someone says you mean without you and oh. she's like no ken lee so then she starts singing it and after and it's her in her very limited understanding of English singing that song. But she sings it nonsense. E D Woo without you. Yeah, because you know, she doesn't know English, so she's singing it and then uh, at the end they go, What language was that? And she's like English. English. No Hold on, I'm gonna read what the subtitles say. <laughs> and it's uh it's for Music Idol. That's the name of the show that she's auditioning for, Music Idol. Not to be kind No one can to can to save men, nor yon cleese to ju malive. When I guess a juice of vata, nanella chu more, new yonos tonight. Molina, your sorrow show. Yes, he showed. To Libu Dibu doubt you. But yeah, just definitely just look up that clip. Maybe it'll be TikTok someday. Ken Lee, man. I wonder where that lady is now. I heard she had a platinum deal. <laughs> Probably just like uh, William Hung. Yeah. I wonder where he is now. Broke. As a motherfucking joke. <laughs> okay. Um, back to serious. What did you think of that scene? I thought it was really well done. Um, I was looking at the actress and I was like, Oh, she has a big like scar on her mm -hmm. chin. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's weird. I, I can't. It's it's one of those scenes where it's tough to say like, oh, it's so good, but then at the same time be like, you know, say anything negative about it because it is. I've obviously never seen anybody commit suicide, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know how realistic it is, but it's sad. I'll say it's very it's very sad, and it's just very well shot. And then like the um, after she commits the act. Um, it's like there's a shot of like the faucet and like the water is like dripping out faster and then slower, slow, and then it stops. And then it goes Just to like, like a wide hurts. shot. Exactly. Thank you. Wide shot of her body in the tub with, you know, the water is completely red. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it's very sad to see, and especially with the song. But I think the way that it's edited and like as she the not to dwell on this scene too much but like the actress does a really good job of like she makes the initial so essentially she she slices her wrist in the hot bath and then she makes the cuts and then she doesn't really react at first but then you can tell like on her face she does a good job of expressing like the different emotions that she's Mm -hmm. feeling so like first it's like sadness and then she feels like the pain of her like doing you know making the actual cuts Mm -hmm. Um, and then like the music starts like fading as she's fading away and then the camera starts like spinning and it's just really really well shot um and just like everything they did like emotionally puts you in the moment and it Mm. like weighs heavy on you because it's it's something very serious so while this is happening lauren walks in on uh sean and laura finishing up and Sean uh, utters like a classic line, like, since when does fucking her mean I'm not? No, shit. He says, I only did it because I'm in love with you. Yeah, I only, only had sex with her because I'm, I'm in love with you. And then she like, Lauren doesn't say anything and she just like walks out, but she's mm-hmm. crying. And she runs to the bathroom where the girl had slit her wrist. So she has her back turned to the tub. And she's crying because she's upset about the whole Sean situation. And then she turns around and she has to deal with the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like weird because there's like a jump cut and she starts pulling the body out of the tub, but then it cuts back. And I'm not yeah. sure if she actually did help with the body or she was just like thinking, thinking she could. Yeah. Should I do this? Which happens a lot in the movie where there'll be jump cuts of what they're thinking. Um, like earlier with Paul, he's talking to, uh, Thomas, Ian, Mitch. Nicholas. Yeah, and Mitch. And uh, somebody else said something and like it does this quick jump cut of him like trying to fight him off like a cat or something, like doing the mm-hmm. hissing cat thing. So, but that just, you know, that's in his brain, which is very much like you said, uh, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. Lauren and Sean have a conversation uh, where Sean's trying to make an excuse for what he did and he says since when does fucking someone else mean i'm not faithful to you and lauren Mm -hmm. doesn't even know how to respond to that um after that he goes up to laura who's just like got like a shit-eating grin on her face because she knows what she did she ruined the relationship Mm -hmm. that they might have had and he punches her in the face and she gets knocked out which was also in the trailer yes um it's an interesting shot and it's a little bit of trivia but in one of um his other movies, uh, there's almost like the same shot with like a, someone getting cro- uh, knocked out with their eyes or crossed and they like fall backwards out of frame. It reminds me of uh, Plain Strange and Automobiles where he gets punched and falls in yeah. the street. Yeah. Um, 
Sean is then shown in like a weird like canopy on his bed and he's just got like his knees pulled into his chest and he's kind of like rocking back and forth and then there's a phone like ringing and it continues to ring and ring and he finally like gets pissed off and he goes and for some reason the phone is in like a like a, a lockbox like a lockbox and he answers the phone and it's his roommate's uh, dad I guess who's speaking French and then he rips the phone out of the wall oh I, no sorry let me do that again the phone is continuing to ring and ring and he uh, finds the box the phone and it's in like a lockbox and while he's trying to rip it open he looks at a pumpkin and then he cuts back to him like straining to open the thing and then it cuts back to the pumpkin and for some reason he takes his anger out on this poor pumpkin and he punches it what are you looking at yeah um, and then he rips the phone out of the wall and then Sean attempts suicide by hanging by a telephone cord after he rips it out of the wall but he fails doing that he then attempts to slash his wrist with a razor, and he fails at that. Like a Bic razor? Yeah, like a cheap, disposable, like, 99-cent razor. Um, but still, when he's flicking it against the skin, it's, like, kind of cringe-inducing. A little bit. Yeah. Not for Daddy, though, you know. You know he's like, um, <laughs> That's me agreeing with you, but okay. <laughs> you said kind of. <laughs> I said a little bit. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. He then tries to overdose on cold medicine and drinks an entire bottle of NyQuil, and he fails at attempting suicide. He does manages to he does manage to piss his pants though. I think his roommate didn't want him like touching his phone. Oh, maybe so he locked it up. But it's like just unplug it and then lock it up. Because yeah. who's gonna call you while you're gone? Do you have an answering machine? You don't. You don't. Because um, that's what we needed in 2002. And when he woke, when Sean wakes up, he looks down at himself and he realizes that he pisses his pants and he goes typical and he just which he said earlier continues to lay there his three main things that he says is typical rock and roll and deal with it yeah yeah because he's a cool guy he's a real cool guy um he opens up his drawer his bedside table and he sees that he has fun blood in there for some reason along with a massive amount of condoms he put yeah he had like a box of it said magnum on the box but then you look in at the the actual condoms and sell they're a completely different brand. He had several different types of Okay. Yeah. So he maybe. he likes to explore his territory. I was thinking maybe he like brought a girl over and went, Hey, look, I have to use these and then he pulls out one of the normal size. One of the ones. smaller ones when yeah. in the dark. Uh, that's pretty pretty slick there, okay? Yeah. You use that once or twice? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. Anyways, after applying the fun blood makeup, Lauren comes to Sean's dorm room to try to, I don't know, maybe she was trying to patch things up. We don't really know. But she sees him laying there and she kind of like freaks out like, oh, my God, not again. And then she like cocks her head a little bit and realizes that he's still alive and he starts laughing. And she's like, oh, my God, you're sick. You're Mm -hmm. really sick. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? And she leaves him. And then he like continues laughing and he lays there and he has like a really creepy face like after he stops laughing and he's like, yeah, it's like really fucking, I mean, he's awesome in this. Um, we then get uh, a sequence, I'll call it Victor's Journey. It's, yeah. it's four minutes nonstop excess and promiscuity 
um, where he's traveling Europe and it's shot on like a handy cam. Mm-hmm. And he, I'll have Getty put in like a, uh, like a little clip of what he says. And he's basically, I went here, I had sex with this person. I went over here, she let me come on her. I went over here, I saw this, I drank There's this. There's a lot of like, coming so, on yeah. chess. Yes. Go took a cab at the city center. Don't let people lie to you. Hostels are for the ugly. I'm staying in home house in the most beautiful hotel in the world. Called a friend from school who was selling hash, but she wasn't in. Met a couple of Brits who take me to, of all places, Camden Street. I flirt a bit at the Virgin Megastore, buy some CDs, then follow some girls with pink hair. I wandered around trying to get laid until it started to rain, then went back to home house. Ministry of Sound is dead, so I go to REM form, but it's gay night. I find the one hetero girl in the place when we dry hump on the dance floor. We cab it back to home house. I strip her clothes off, suck her toes, and we fuck. I hung out for four or five days, met the world's biggest DJ, Paul Oakenfold, kept missing the changing of the guards, wrote my mom a postcard I never sent, bought some speed from an Italian junkie who was trying to sell me a stolen bike, smoked a lot of hash that had too much tobacco in it, saw the Tate, saw Big Ben, ate a lot of weird English food, it rained a lot, it was expensive, and I'm jonesing, so I split for Amsterdam. The Dutch all know English, so I didn't have to speak any Dutch, which was a relief. I cruised the red light district, visit a sex show, visit a sex museum, smoke a lot of hash. I meet a Dutch TV actress, and we drink absinthe at a bar called Absinthe. The museums were cool, I guess, lots of Van Goghs, and the Vermeers were intense. Wandered around, bought a lot of pastries, ate some intense waffles. We bought some coke, and I cruised the red light district until I found some blonde with big tits that reminds me of Lara. I gave her a hundred guilders. In the end, she pulls me out, and I come between her tits, even though I'm wearing a rubber. Paul Oak. Oakenfold yes. gets a name drop, and I was like, oh, yeah, I he remember gets, him. He gets multiple. He's like, yeah. and he calls him the best DJ in the world. Yeah. 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 I remember around the Matrix 2 coming out and getting into the, you know, like him and Juno Reactor and different uh, techno. Is that when things. you started wearing your trench coat? <laughs> no. Oh, that was later. That was after Colm. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even finish That's the work. Terrible. No, I'm gonna cut that out. Okay, but that was good. Uh, Anyone else? That would be a good one. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that's a horrible thing to joke about. Yeah. Especially if I kept it in. Fucking all the mass shootings we have. Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid. Um, at the end of uh, the little sequence, Victor says, it's like his introduction, which is funny because it comes like 20 minutes before the movie ends. He says, I, know, I no longer know who I am and I feel like a total ghost of a stranger. And then we cut to Victor, Mitch, and Sean in a diner talking about Lauren. Um, Victor's like the typical like broed out guy, mm-hmm. but he's wearing like, a, he doesn't look like a bro. He looks like a pop star with like a <laughs> scarf on. I don't know. It's really weird. So Victor, Mitch, and Sean start talking about Lauren, and uh, Victor's like, oh, are you going to get some? And Sean's like, no, it's not about that. And Victor's like, no, you're right. It's all about holding hands and sweet moments. And Mitch is like, hey, yeah. Like he's like his little (laughs) crony. Yeah, definitely his crony. Um, I love how I'm the only one laughing about this. If you didn't pick up from the four-minute sequence that Victor is a slut and he's a, not a good person. No. And this is the person that Lauren, for some unexplained reason, is totally in love with. Yeah, like she talks about him a little bit and then you keep seeing his picture yeah. and you like kind of forget because she's talking about Sean and everything mm-hmm. for most of the movie. And then, oh yeah, he's back. Yeah. Uh, so during this diner scene... Uh, Sean gets up to leave because he's sick of hearing them talk shit about Lauren. And Victor's like, hey, uh, you got any on you? And he's like, no, I don't. So Victor gives Sean $300 to go buy some Coke. Um, And he's like, take Mitch with you. And so Mitch and Sean go to Rupert's to score Coke for Victor. You forgot about the gross comments they were making 
I didn't forget. I just didn't add it. Gaddy, feel free to add in the clip. I feel weird (laughs) saying this. Yeah. Okay. I won't say it. Gaddy will put the clip in because it's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know, out of the car seat, onto my meat. (laughs) If she's bleeding, I'm breeding. (laughs) If there's grass in the field, play ball. (laughs) You know? Old enough to pee, old enough for me. Yeah. Boys will be boys. Yeah, exactly. Locker room talk. We're being facetious. Don't think we're being sincere. If you can tell by our exaggerated voices. Sean and Mitch go to Rupert's uh, to score score the drugs. And the drug deal goes horribly wrong when Rupert finds out that Sean doesn't have his money. He owes Rupert $3,000 and he gives him, he's like, here, he gives him $300. He's like, this is $300. You owe me $3,000. Where the fuck is my money? And then Sean's like, uh, Mitch has it. And Mitch is like, what? No, I don't know what's going on. And they start getting more and more angry. Mm-hmm. Guest is there and he pulls a machete out. <laughs> and um, and then Sean doesn't have the money, obviously. But he somehow, he jumps at, um, he lunges towards Rupert, knocks him down. Mm-hmm. And he uses an electric turkey carver mm-hmm. on guest's hand he drops the machete picks it up it's like total clusterfuck of stuff going on there's also a bunch of random people in the house that are trying to get um sean and mitch as well and they run out mitch gets into the car and sean is like coming after them but then there's this funny shot where um they're coming out of like a sliding back door and like Sean is waiting for him and he has the machete. And as soon as Rupert like steps out, he like throws the machete mm-hmm. at him. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get into the car and they drive away. And Mitch sounds like such a little fucking brat when they like when they escape and they go back to the uh, the college. Mm-hmm. And he's like, get out of my fucking car, man. And he's like, um, he gives him the drugs and he's like, you're a fucking pussy. And then he spits on Mitch. Yeah. And he's like, fucking spit in my car. I was so confused about the the money. Because he said to Victor, like, I want you to buy $3,000 worth of... He said 300, three grams. Oh, okay. I think he said three grand then. Uh, Maybe that's yeah. why I was confused. Three grams. And he said he needed a $300 down payment for it. So that's why I thought it was 3000 Uh so yeah, then when he got there with only three hundred, it seemed very confusing. So yeah, I'm glad I could explain it for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, we then are in. We then cut to Lauren's dorm room, and she's crying, uh, reading her STD book, and she, it actually plays in reverse. It falls back onto the bed, but then it plays forwards after that. And she throws the book down, and a random person comes in. It was like, you'll never guess who's back. Lauren's like, who? She's like, Victor. And immediately she stops crying, and she like starts smiling. And then she goes to Victor's room, and then she knocks on the door. And Victor answers the door, and he's wearing nothing but like a scarf around his neck. And Lauren's like, oh, my God, you don't know what it is. Like, it's such a drag to see you here. And then she starts kissing him, and he's like, um, yeah, hi do I know you? And then she's mm-hmm. like, come on, don't be stupid. He's like, oh, yes, of course. How are you? And then you can realize, you realize very quickly that he has no idea who she is. Yeah. Which, 
is another thing is like is lauren making up the relationship that they had that they didn't really have or is his mind just completely eroded from the massive amounts of drugs that he did it's probably a little bit of both i think she's probably just very naive and didn't realize that the uh however many times they've been together wasn't a real wasn't significant to him to him yeah and because uh, she's probably he's probably been with several women around the time he was with her so mm-hmm. and it's revealed if you look closely in the background you can see it's laura he's having fun with laura in the background she's that's like, what that was yeah <laughs> okay she was on the bed like licking a lollipop and she like even waves to lauren and lauren gets really upset and um <laughs> and uh victor's like yeah really great to see you and then he just closes the door in her face yeah. it's like very rude did you happen to look and see what the the dry erase board on Victor's door said? Yeah, it said something about like uh, the test came back positive. Be careful. Yeah, Victor, uh, the test came back yeah. positive, meaning that he's probably got some bad STD mm-hmm. that he's wall about to pass on to that he passed on to everybody in Europe because he just came back. Yep. So, yep. There's a part where a snowflake, big chunk of snowflake, falls on. Uh, That's the next scene. It is? Yeah. Because I have uh, Victor doesn't recognize uh, Lauren after that. Oh, really? Yeah. We then see uh, Lauren walking to Victor's house, uh, and Sean's trying to catch up with her and trying to get her to, like, stop, and she doesn't really want to, but eventually he's like, don't walk away from me. And then she stops, and he's she's like, what do you want? And he was like, I want to know you. And she's like, what does that even mean? No one will know anyone ever. She tells him that it's over. She's uh, she's in love with Victor, and he was just like a random fling that he she was going to have to wait um, to tide her over until Victor came back home. Mm-hmm. And she leaves him. And there's a great shot of a single uh, snowflake falling down, and it lands right in the corner of Sean's eye, and his tear melts the snowflake, which is great. And it really starts to snow. And then when she goes to see Victor, the windows look like they were decorated with a can of of uh, snow. Hey, the budget was $4 million. It probably was <laughs> canned snow. Yeah. And then after that conversation, Sean's sitting on bleachers in the fucking pouring snow. Does that make sense? Pouring snow? Yeah. Falling snow? Whatever. Snowfall. The snow is falling pretty heavily. And uh, Paul comes up to him. And it's very ironic because he says the same things to Sean that Sean said to Lauren. Mm-hmm. Paul's like, I find myself talking to you when you're not around. And Sean's like, I really wish you wouldn't tell me shit like that. And he's like, what do you want? And then Sean, uh, Paul says, I want to know you. And he parrots the exact same thing that Lauren said to him. No one will ever know anyone. And he's like, Sean, uh, Paul's like, what does that even mean? And then there's like, I don't, I don't know if it was intentional or what, but he like, he's like, fuck you, Bateman. And then he trips and he falls down and he's like, <laughs> fuck you. And then he throws, um, he throws a snowball at, um, at his face at Sean while he's sitting there. But it looks, that shot is like really great. It's like a side profile when the, he doesn't even really react when the snowball hits him. Mm-hmm. And it looks like with the way that the light is hitting him, it looks like he's like crying. Really great shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and then after that, Sean goes back to his um, post office box for the last time, and he sees that there's no, there's nothing in there, and he knows that it's over. And he turns around, and he sees Rupert and Guest there. 
and they've got a baseball bat and they beat the shit out of him. Um, while they're beating the shit out of him, he's like, I got the money. I got, my dad wired me the money. He was like, oh, it was that easy, motherfucker. And then he continues to beat him harder. Mm-hmm. And we then end up back at the end of the world party, which we started the movie at. Sean has an epiphany, which we see him having. And then he we see him rip up the letters again. And he leaves the party rather than having sex with the blonde girl as shown in the beginning of the movie. And then Lauren and Paul go outside and they have a conversation about sean and while they're having the conversation you see sean pull up on his motorcycle and they stare at each other for a really long time and sean takes off on his motorcycle let me get the terminator 2 ending again and he has a really great um outro and what did you think about his his ending narration can remember a single fucking word from it to be honest really really great okay so obviously it made an impact on you started driving faster as i left the college behind i didn't know where i was going someplace unoccupied i hoped at first i thought there were things about her that i would never forget but in the end all i could think about was and that's how it ends (laughs) and that comes straight out of the book yeah. It ends mid sentence. Um, and that's the that's the rules of attraction. And the credits go backwards. And the credits go backwards, a la irreversible. And I noticed in one of the credits that the song Gentleman Who Fell was performed and co written by Mila Jovovich. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. One of Chaplin's wives. Yes. Not Ooh. in real life. No. Michael Caddy. No, would you recommend this movie? <laughs> I asked the person who brought it in always gets asked first. I feel like you always fucking ask me first every time. That's what it feels like, but no, it's... it's No. Okay. Um, Last week, you didn't ask me, and I had to answer it for myself. Okay, great. Yes and no. I think it's a... Well, we can get into what I think about the movie, but I think that it is an entertaining movie on multiple fronts if you are into this kind of thing. If that makes sense. <laughs> but the, the, the defining what the thing is, I think, is the issue. When I'm not just saying it as a joke. I'm well, we just went sincere. over it for 45 minutes, what this thing is. So if you listen to this... I and... guess I'll elaborate more in my review. Okay, great. Sure. Um, Would I recommend it? Is that what no, that's not what I was going to say. I wasn't done. Thank Sorry. you very much. Overall... If I knew that you could handle the content of what I would suggest it to you, let's put it that way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If I if I had any idea that this would offend you or it wouldn't be up your alley, then I wouldn't. But if you if I feel like you could handle the content, then I would say like yes. Watch, and by you, you mean movie. the person listening to this, not me specifically? Yes, not Michael Gaddy, but you, listener. Because you already did recommend it to me, and that's why you brought it in. And this is why Gaddy is going to fight me later, because <laughs> I can already tell how much you fucking hated it. So, Michael Gaddy, would you recommend this movie to nobody? Uh, to nobody? Um, that's a tough, that's, that's a really tough question, because of, like I said in my review, I would, I'll elaborate a little bit more about what I think are the flaws of the movie. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say no, definitely don't go see this movie because we've, as far as the extreme content of the movie, we've had more, way more extreme movies mm-hmm. than this. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're going to go see 
another movie from a, the director that we talked about that people probably really shouldn't see and except for maybe once um it's not for everybody it's you know if you want if you want to be a completist for uh brett easton ellis movies or if you want to be a completist for teen movies of the uh, turn of the century then yeah definitely go see this to to see um what it's all about it's it's not as uh harmful as a movie like song of the south so or as I was, I was going to say as bad as, and then just name a random bad movie, but that has nothing to do with what I'm saying right now. So, um, yeah. So what do you, what do you truly think about this movie? <laughs> I guess I should ask. Well, let's talk about what a wild ride this movie is. There's really a lot to love about it. Uh, but for me, the subversiveness of the story is what does it for me. As we said before the way that it's marketed and the way that it was marketed when it came out Mm -hmm. um you go in thinking it's one thing like oh it's a teen comedy with like sex and fun all that and then you sit down and you're like holy shit there's something completely different there are no happy endings here no laugh out loud moments although there is a bunch of black 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 humor peppered throughout this is not a teen comedy which was sort of marketed as it's ballsy it's lewd it's exactly how the book was written the acting is okay, but James Vanderbeek definitely carries his film and is fucking great as an apathetic, lonely, creepy, sociopathic asshole. I love the fact that overall this movie is a bunch of spoiled rich kids in college treating their first unrequited relationships as the end-all be-all of life and how serious and dramatic these relationships can be at the time, to them anyway. Uh, I think it's incredibly unique in terms of photography and storytelling and it's extremely well edited. The movie's still great, still holds up, and I still love it. I gave it a overall score of an 8.21 out of 10. 821. Um, Michael Gaddy, what do you think about this movie? Well, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> sit right back and uh, you're listening to the radio. Um, so when I first started watching this movie, I'm like, is this movie cool or is it trying really hard to be cool or is it actually cool? Um, I'm going to interrupt you and I'm going to say, I think it is cool because it's so unique. There's not movies that were doing the same shit that they were mm-hmm. doing in this movie. I'll just say that. Yeah, and it, I, I'll still say it's kind of tough to, to answer for me. Obviously, you have an answer. Um, but I'm leaning more towards the it actually being cool, but kind of more of the idea of it's not trying to be cool. It's saying, look at all these people trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. Look at all these yes. this time. Um yeah, I think uh, James Vanderbeek is really good. I, I didn't. I don't think there was a performance in the movie that I was just outright like didn't like um, because everybody was playing their character so well, uh, which is what acting is. Uh, the the characters themselves are unlikable people, mm-hmm. uh, which is used to be a trend of our podcast in the early days, which was fun. Um, I think I, I did. I dig the cinematography and what they're doing. I think for the a lot of it, it is a bit of a mess as far as like it, it gets confusing at times. Like maybe it was just I, you know, I wasn't paying attention well enough because I was writing down notes at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of confusing. Like the party at the beginning, I was like, wait, does it happen before everything? Wait, did, did it already happen? Like I was questioning that, mm-hmm. and that was probably my own fault. But it does feel a bit messy. I think that Roger Avery is trying to do. It's kind of something a little bit like uh, Pulp Fiction with the, uh, the non-linear. Uh, non-linear narrative. And 
it, the dialogue, I'm like, okay, well, I've seen uh, American Psychos. It's very similar with the narration. It's jumping back and forth between the the multiple characters, which I've seen done since. Um, but overall, I just and the movie's the movie wasn't bad. I don't think it's bad. Uh, I don't think it's great. It's it's a good movie, I'll say. <laughs> it's somewhere in between. It's not a movie that I'll probably buy ever. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, I don't hate, the, it's not like a movie <laughs> like The Way of the Gun, where I was just like, oh, this this fucking movie and blah, blah, blah. I know it's you pretty. You really fucking hated The Way of the Gun, I can't believe it. Oh, I, even that, I don't even think I really hate, hate. Well, that's like <laughs> your fucking, the epitome of everything. That's my lowest scored movie. Yeah. Uh, of that you've brought in um yeah I, I would just say it's it's fine it's a fine movie uh 6.8 okay. would probably be my score and uh what did also, you give the way of the gun probably like a four or something really i thought it was like a six <laughs> no maybe, maybe i did maybe i was being uh, generous yeah i think maybe you were uh i do like the uh seeing this analog trans the, the transition from analog to digital world of the early 2000s mm-hmm I do think I, I think the movie would have been better if it would took place in the eighties, which I already said. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't even think the movie itself really knows whether or not it's. It's kind of movie. timeless in that way, but with the exception of like the Mercedes that Mitch drives, mm-hmm. it's pretty set. Like you could just say like this is the eighties, and it'd be totally believable. I would disagree because I definitely the the hairstyles and the the clothing look very two thousand two. Shannon Sossman's hair in this movie is amazing. Yeah, and it's very two thousand two. It's so good. <laughs> Um, in 2002, I have a couple movies on my list that I want to bring in, but uh, one of them we'll do on the anniversary. It's adaptation because it's the next Spike Jones, uh, Charlie Kaufman movie. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll return to this this era okay. probably several times because I feel like we've done movies around this time. Like we've done like a dozen of them yeah. between '96 and 2003. Yeah. It's not my fault I made good movies during this time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, trivia. Okay, trivia. Lionsgate tested the film at a mall in conservative Orange County as they saw the film as a teen comedy. Director Roger Avery saw the film as, quote, the assassination of teen comedies, which is mm-hmm. what I was talking about, that subversiveness. The test screening was reportedly horrible with dozens of walkouts and people shouting, um, quote, fag film as the screen as they left. <laughs> Regardless, Lionsgate insisted on marketing the film as a teen comedy and opening it in wide release, which is why you get that wonderful trailer, which completely like sells the movie as something it's not. Yeah. When the production couldn't afford George Michael's faith, Roger Avery sent the musician a letter asking if he could lower the price. George Michael gave them the song for free. Yet another mm-hmm. reason why I love George Michael. Roger Avery explains that one of his favorite parts of the film is... Watching that snowflake land on Sean Bateman's eye corner and melt, the symbolism of a man that is so cold inside that the world's conscious sends out a flake of snow to force a tear where they should naturally spill forth. Brett Easton Ellis, the author of the novel on which the film is based, revealed in an interview that director Roger Avery asked him to play the role of Patrick Bateman in the film after Christian Bale, who portrayed Patrick in the film adaptation of American Psycho, turned down Avery's role to return as Patrick. Ellis also turned him down, saying that he thought, quote, it was such a terrible and gimmicky idea. The scenes with Patrick were eventually shot with Casper Van Dien from Starship Troopers mm. playing Patrick, but they were cut from the film. And for the longest time, I knew that, and I was trying to find it, and I finally found one clip of it. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it doesn't work. 
he's wearing like a suit he has you know uh he's pretending to be yes he's pretending but he's he's not he doesn't have the same delivery it sounds like johnny rico from starship troopers like (laughs) doing these lines but i only saw one scene i want to try to find the other but i can't Mm -hmm. it's never been on like a release or anything the scene with Paul and Richard lip-syncing to George Michael was com- completely improvised on the spot. Roger Avery saw one of the actors singing the song to himself and quickly put the scene together. It's pretty interesting. <clears throat> Musician Marilyn Manson was quoted as saying that his favorite thing in this movie is the sign on Victor's dorm room reading, Victor, test came back positive, be careful. When asked why he liked that particular bit so much, he said it was because Kip Perdue was dating his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Keeping in line with him being a piece of shit. The last footage shot for the film was Victor's European travel montage, shot over the course of 15 days by a crew consisting of just Roger Avery, Kip Pardue, and producer Greg Shapiro. They ended up with over 70 hours of videotape. The excess footage was later edited into the movie Glitterati, which was released, or which hasn't been released due to music issue rights. So, because uh, Kip Pardue, the character Victor, is in another one of Brett Easton Ellis's book. Mm. Filmed at the University of Redlands in Southern California, the crew added fake snow for the winter shots. They filmed three different dorms, Beacons, Grossmont, and Fairmont. Each dorm was given a different name in the film. In the opening credits, the students all run out of two huge double doors as if they just left class. In reality, the double doors are those of the chapel. For the screenplay, Victor's voiceovers about Europe were based on several journals kept by Roger Avery during his own European travels after college. They had to be rewritten to match the footage spontaneously shot with Kip Pardue. <clears throat> this is one for you, Getty. All right. A point of contention for many critics was the so-called hollow relationships of all the characters. Roger Avery says that he deliberately wrote the script to jump from point to point in the relationships instead of showing a natural progression and buildup. This was done to better resemble people's memories of college. It's only the major points that get remembered, not the points in between. There are reportedly dozens of deleted scenes depicting other, quote, relationship points that were cut for various reasons, time, pacing, content, etc. And lastly, Brett Easton Ellis spoke positively of the film in 2010 when speaking of the film adaptations of his writing, stating, My favorite movie out of the four was The Rules of Attraction. I thought it was the only one that captured the sensibility of the novel in a cinematic way. I know I'm sounding like a film critic on that, but I'm talking about that in an emotional way as the writer of the novel. I watched that movie and thought they got it in a way that Mary Heron, the director of American Psycho, didn't and Less Than Zero didn't. So overall, out of all the movies that got turned into um, movies based on his movies, based on his books, um, this is the one that he thinks hit the mark. And I agree because reading the two, I mean, you can't turn American Psycho into like an actual faithful adaptation because that book is unadaptable. And that's all I got. I was going to ask you, I guess guess I'll ask you which movie do you prefer, American Psycho or this? For its quotability, American Psycho, Mm -hmm. for everything else, I would say Rules of Attraction. From like a movie perspective, it's Rules of Attraction. Mm -hmm. But like from a purely like um, entertaining aspect, I would say um, American Psycho. And I say American Psycho, obviously. Yeah. That's more because I love that movie. All right, so on to one-star reviews. This one's from 2004, and it says, Did not like this film one little bit. 
This film is the cinematic equivalent of dirty, foul-smelling food remains left in the bottom of the kitchen bin for more than a week, i.e. rubbish. I'm glad you cleared that up. It is peopled by amoral, unlikable... Amoral should be, like, hyphenated, right? But I don't know. Unlikable characters with no redeeming features. There is very little in the way of story, so it is not, in fact, possible to to type a spoiler even if you want to. Nothing happens. The protagonists just become less and less pleasant, if that is possible, as the film progresses. There are one or two characters that you might feel sorry for, but since their actions do not make sense, there is little point to them. So I'm guessing the That's girl the like, whole point of the movie. Yeah, the girl that kills herself. You don't you don't feel any sympathy for her? Okay. Make no mistake, this is horrible. Steer clear unless how do you spell steer? Like steering your car? S-T-E. S-T-E-E-R. Okay. Because for some reason I was thinking it's the wrong. It's like steer as in like cattle. Uh, just making sure. Steer clear unless you want to feel dirty and degraded for having sat through it all. 30 out of 62 people found this review helpful. Nice. This one's from 2002. So this is like right after the movie came out. Absolutely horrible. How can anyone like this film? It's so horrible. The only redeeming quality is James Vanderbeek. And even his performance couldn't stop this movie from being crappy. Characters had little to no character development. Many characters were introduced with no real explanation or reason as to why we had to be introduced to them. Eric Stoltz's cameo was the worst cameo I've ever seen. What was the point? Because he's just a teacher in the background. You don't have to go into their whole backstory for each person. Shit too. Yeah, that too. I'll tell you. Spelled Y-A. There was none. This movie tried so hard not to be another teen angst movie about kids trying to find themselves and where they fit in their generation and crap like that. But guess what? Was that me or you? That was me, I think. <laughs> but guess what? It, it turned out to be exactly that. I felt robbed of two hours of my life and the $6 I had to pay to see this garbage. Hey, when was this written? 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah, so $6. <laughs> I didn't see it in theaters either. Yeah, me neither, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I remember I wanted to, but I didn't see it in theaters. So mm-hmm. I saw it on home video. I, you know, it's funny is I didn't watch really any of these teen movies or even horror movies of the late 90s and early 2000s. But now I look at them with nostalgia, even though I never saw them. Mm-hmm. But just like the them being popular back then. Uh, if you're looking to waste two hours of your life, then go ahead and watch this horrible film. But I'd rather watch a Pauly Shore movie than to see this film again. Why do I see Pauly said. Shore keeps showing up everywhere now. And since you mentioned the Pinocchio thing, <laughs> I see him everywhere. He's showing up everywhere. That's funny. 14 out of 31 people. When was that released or when was that written? 2002. Wow. Okay. That's the same one. Uh, this is also, this one's from 2004. This movie, Blue. It's all in, <laughs> all in uh, cap, capital. This movie was the worst movie I've ever rented. So, shows you what era this was. I couldn't even manage to force myself to watch the whole thing. The concept is interesting, but I don't ever again want to see so many serious subjects touched upon so disgustingly. Anyone that likes this film, this movie, I don't know why I read it as film. Anyone who likes this movie is seriously messed up. Sorry. <laughs> Rape, gay sex, drugs all included in a short period of time to make Rules of Attraction the most unrealistic, disgusting movie ever. 13 out of 29 people found this 
uh, helpful. What's and your issue with gay sex? Yeah, mm. and drugs. You got some bigger issues, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean some drugs, sure. And last one. This is from 2003. If you like this movie, then kill yourself. Wow. <laughs> uh this is an awful movie and i feel like i was oh, that wasn't the whole thing okay, no sorry. that would have been that would have been better yeah this is an awful movie and i feel like i wasted 110 minutes of my life for watching it the characters are awful spelled wrong the sean bateman character is completely different is completely different in each scene and although one could say it is due to his mental illness it doesn't work the movie tried to, to feed off the popularity of American Psycho, which was their first mistake because although it was good, it could not fuel a sequel with completely different characters. You mean like American Psycho 2? We'll talk about that when we talk about American Psycho. I feel sick just thinking about this movie, and previous reviews were correct in disgusting, discussing how pretentious this movie was. All I have to say is, don't wa- do not watch this movie! And like, 12 exclamation points. 15 out of 29 people found this helpful. He should have just kept it. If you like this movie, kill yourself. <laughs> so what have you seen recently? Movies and TV show. Um, Tressa and I watched uh, Glass Onion, the Knives Out oh, Glass yeah? Onion. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let Tressa say what she thought of it. <laughs> what? She thought it was busy. Uh, no, I was really actually really disappointed with it. Really? Yeah. I thought uh, what I liked about the first one was that it was like, you just liked Anna de Armas. Well, yeah, that, but no, (laughs) everyone was great acting wise in both for the most part, but like the story was much more like simplistic and like Mm -hmm. a simpler story and it made more sense. And then you can tell this one was like, okay, the first one was successful. Let's just throw everything like as much money as we can at the Mm -hmm. point. And it's just like, it's too big. The, the twists weren't good. It's just, I was disappointed. I didn't hate it, but like I had high hopes for it because Mm -hmm. there was such good reviews about it. I definitely prefer the first one. Yeah, I think I prefer the first one, but I did really enjoy this. This one's really close. Um, and then other than that, the second episode of The Last of Us. Which I have not. Which I won't spoil anything, but it was even better than the first one. This mm-hmm. is when you start to see like the world and there's some consequences and some action sequences. and Yeah, really fucking good. Cool. The only thing I watched was that 90s show. I watched all 10 episodes. Jesus. They're only like 20 minutes long each, so um, I loved it, but only because I love that 70s show so much, so it's like cool to see some of the characters come back, to see the same, the, the world. My favorite characters from the original series were Kitty and Red, and so they're throughout the whole series. Um, my biggest complaint would be that it could be a little more 90s. Like that 80s show was way too 80s, and in your face, like every joke was, hey, it's the 80s, isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Uh, that 70s show was more subtle than that, but this is even more subtle than that 70s show. So I think if they come back for season two, they should be very much like, hey, remember this? They mentioned having tickets to go see Batman Forever, and that was like one of the big ones because it takes place in July 1995. So cool. Uh, it's cool because it's our generation. I mean, the kids are like four years older than me, but <laughs> born four years before me, I should say. But that's all I saw. So homework. Uh, usually we bring in movies we love, or at least really enjoy. 
Sometimes we bring in movies just to see what the other person thinks of. And this is the, the latter of the two. Uh, <clears throat> Uh-oh, it's getting emotional. It's not going to be good. <laughs> but while it's a movie uh, beloved with a 93% critical rating and 90% audience score, I didn't care for this movie, like, really at all. But I want to give it a second shot, and I want to see if I don't like it a second time, and if I'm crazy or if Trevor agrees that this movie is overrated. This movie might be on the top of my list for most overrated Criterion movies. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the 1955 thriller The Night of the Hunter, starring Robert Mitchum and Shelley Winters. It's available on Prime Video, Hoopla, Tubi, and Pluto TV. Okay. So should be interesting because i couldn't think of anything else that i try to do something different enough from the previous few episodes mm-hmm. try to go to a different time era try to like i was thinking of doing another 80s movie and i was like no we can wait because we just did the 80s um so i was like we'll go to the 50s again so okay so thanks for listening reaching over Thanks for listening. You know where to find us. Thanks for listening. Hope you like this movie. If you don't, don't kill yourself. <laughs> Have a good night. We're horrible people. We'll uh, we'll let you know how Enter the Void was because I'm interested to see what Gaddy thinks. Yes, that'll be on my list of things I saw. Yes. Okay. In the next episode. God bless. Bye. <laughs> Bye. He's the prophet, blinded by the light. What is breaking? I can hear it. Drought when gone, be on my side. Harry's gone bye-bye. Harry's gone to the big bye-bye. He's got his name in the papers on the back side. It's toe-tag time in Teenville tonight. Again. Teenville?